We're going to um, take up where we left off on Tuesday with discussing the five faculties or the five spiritual powers. And I'd first like to uh, initiate that conversation by saying I really appreciate the feedback that I'm getting from Sangha members on their own personal observations about their lives and how the Dhamma has helped them deal with current situations and problems that they're having or just interfacing with relatives and members of their family who at one time they had problems with but now because they have the Dhamma not the family but them they find that relationship is different and so thank you so much for that feedback because that's what we're, we're trying to discover as David announced there's going to be a Vajrayana teaching next month coming out of the Tibetan tradition and um It's not that we're mixing this up to confuse you. We're mixing this up to give you what it is that works for you. That's what we want to see. I've said this many times that um, I don't care who enlightens you. I just want you to be enlightened. <laughs> you know, it doesn't matter who, who gets the credit. Of course, all of the credit goes to the Buddha and all of the other bodhisattvas that have come and gone in the many lifetimes since we've lived and the many eons of years that the earth and the planet has existed. So no one person tries to take the credit or deserves the credit. It's a, it's a group effort. It's a team effort. And most important to remember is that it's your effort. So give yourself credit every morning when you wake up and you have those positive ideas and concepts in your mind that you're not hating people and feeling put upon by people, but that you're there to serve people. You're there to help others reduce their suffering. Speaking of that, let's uh, remember to send some energy, some loving kindness to the people in uh, New Zealand. That's what hate looks like. Who was here on Tuesday? Does anyone remember the five faculties or five spiritual powers? Yes. Always. Um, faith, energy, mindfulness, concentration, and wisdom. All right. Very good. I was studying this morning, too. Very good. So as I said, we're going to uh, we're going to connect uh, last Tuesday's uh, Dhamma talk or Dhamma lesson with uh, another or a different Sutta from the from the Samyutta Nikaya about the faculties or the five spiritual powers. And the whole, the only difference between the five faculties and the five spiritual powers is the fact that the spiritual powers are developed. They're still just the faculties. But now they're, they're developed and empowered by our own practice and understanding. And I like this one because it gives us a template for, for 
knowing when we are employing the five faculties and when we're not, when we're just sort of fooling ourselves and and wasting our time and spinning our wheels. So that's what we don't want to do because we don't have time to do that. Time is precious. That too is indicated by the acts of terror that we have experienced in our lifetime around the world, the wars, and the people who die. That there is no guarantee about how long we're going to stay here to study. So we want to have an urgency about our, our practice and our development. That way we want to understand what it is that we're doing and how we can see whether in our own daily lives we are incorporating the Dhamma. So it says, this sutta is titled, To Be Seen. And it talks about, it lists first the five faculties. And then it says, and where is the faculty of faith to be seen? And it, and it answers that question. It says, the faculties of faith is to be seen where the four factors of stream entry. The four factors of stream entry. So it's telling us to look to see whether we've incorporated those four factors of stream entry and we'll know then whether we're integrating into our reality the faculty of faith. And what are the four faculties of, four factors of stream entry? The first is associating with good friends. Now, be careful with this, because at one time I had a corrupted idea of what friendship was. You know, and it was like, well, your friend is going to put up with your crap no matter what it is. And I thought that's what being a good friend was all about. And of course, after practicing this Dharma, I've learned that good friends call you on your crap. Don't let you get away with it. That's what good friends do. All right. Listening to true Dharma. I'm not certain what they mean by true Dharma, you know, because all Dharma is Dharma. Everything is Dharma. So there's no no footnote to indicate what the translator meant or what he used to define true Dharma. But I would, I'm going to go out on a limb and whoever's listening to the podcast can pull me out the tree. But I'm going to say that true Dharma is anything that helps you reduce your suffering and your causes that you initiate for others to suffer. That would be true Dharma, in my opinion, at this time. And of course, that's always subject to change. Appropriate attention. Now this is another group of words that can sort of cause you to go, what? Because what is appropriate attention? What is it? What does it mean? It means putting your 
awareness, your intention, your consciousness on the subject matters that develop and increase wholesomeness. So obviously if we are, say, dealing with a drinking problem, if we're thinking about a bar, that is inappropriate attention because it brings up a challenge for us. It, it, it puts a roadblock of our intentions. So appropriate attention, anything that we put our minds to that is wholesome, that's a, giving appropriate attention to a thing. Okay. And the last factor of stream entry is practice. And that's the one that's more important than anything else. Because if we don't practice, we're not going to develop. And that's one of the first things that I ask people when they tell me that their meditation is slow, they're not progressing the way they think they should. And I say, how many hours a day, how many days a week do you practice? Because that's the only way we're going to get better. So, any questions about the factors of stream entry? Yes. What do they mean by stream entry? That's your... Oh, I'm sorry. Just what is meant by stream entry? That's your beginning or your initiation into being a practitioner of this Dhamma. Right. So the first is stream entry. It's a, it's a, it's a concept that can be visualized by stepping into a stream and then not working as hard as we had to work going upstream when we were not in the stream. So if we're in the stream, we, we are encouraged by the flow and the direction of the stream. And this is the first factor of, uh, Enlightenment, if you will, not factor of enlightenment, but instrument towards enlightening and reducing our suffering is making a decision that this is a form of theology or philosophy that we're going to practice, that we're going to integrate into our lives, that we are going to accept the fact that the Buddha was an enlightened being, as were other Buddhas before him, and that we believe that in practicing what it is that he expounded upon will help us relieve our own personal suffering in life and also help others relieve their personal suffering. Making that decision is about entering the stream. Now there's a promise that says that when you enter the stream and you practice according to the Dharma, you will never have to worry about coming back and going into realms of deprivation, hell realms, ghost realms, animal realms. Now, of course, this doesn't mean anything to some people because some people are just right here. Okay. But that's just another agenda of stream entry, that you are guaranteeing yourself that you will not have to deal with realms of deprivation and that you will also... Come back no more than seven times and you will become enlightened 
in those seven visits that you return to this place of worship. Yes. Is there any way to know what number you're on? (laughs) See, it's funny, but I really, it was a serious question. I would say that you develop the four jhanas so that you can see past lives. And then you can see yourself incrementally developing. So yes, but that means you have to do some work. I mean, you're just not going to know by knowing. It's not. It's not something that that is dripped or anointed on you. But you. But practicing the jhanas and getting into the fourth level of jhana, you will have the ability to develop the wisdom eye and to see past life progression. Now that's how the factors of, or the factors of stream entry can be seen in our reality by asking yourself, am I doing the things that it says I should do to be a stream enterer? Okay. That's how you see it. That's how you know it's, that's how you know you're doing it. That, that is, you're integrating it as a part of your life and reality. The next factor of stream, uh, the next factor of uh, the faculties is energy. And how do you know when you see the energy? Anybody? No? Okay. Right striving, full right striving. So, again, you know that you're not there yet when you allow unwholesome states of consciousness to arise and stay when you elect to stay angry with somebody, when you elect to judge somebody, when you elect to be cruel to somebody, as opposed to putting your attention, your awareness on something wholesome. Yeah? All right. So if you see yourself cling to unwholesome states of mind, without directing consciousness to be employed on wholesome states of mind, then you are not practicing the second faculty. You're not giving enough energy to your practice, to your, to your promise. And so you know that you're not there. So that there's, if, you, if you can't, operate with the with the um, the right strivings or the right the efforts, then you cannot ask yourself, "Why is this not working for me?" Because you're not working for it. If we put our minimal intention on these faculties, we will experience growth in our journey. If we don't, it's not going to happen. Okay. So, the faculty of energy can be seen here in the four right strivings or right effort. The faculty of mindfulness 
can be seen in the four establishments of mindfulness. So that means you have to work with the sutta that guides us in being mindful of body, mind, mind objects, and develop that. And all of this comes on top of the fact that we have to maintain a balance of the five faculties with mindfulness being the hub or the center. So stream entry, energy, effort, same thing. Mindfulness, concentration, and wisdom. Uh, establishment of mindfulness, okay. The faculty of concentration can be seen in the four jhanas. Remember, here's something that might be helpful and and also uh, might bring a little happiness. There's a belief that you have to work hard for jhana. But you don't. You just have to set the condition for jhana to manifest itself. Now that may be harder to work than making jhana happen, but but that's the way, you know, you have to create the condition. Jhana is already there. The reality of jhana is already present so that we have to make ourselves, and I'll use this word very lightly, worthy to ex- have that experience. Yes, yeah. you, be, you become conditioned, or you might even want to use the word cleansed to understand what we're talking about. But you become conditioned to receive this this gift, yeah. So I always use the example. Um, it's like sitting at the pond waiting for the unicorn, and you have to behave in certain ways for the unicorn to trust you and come. So that's the way it is with John. So concentration can be seen in the four jhanas. And the last one, the faculty of wisdom, can be seen in the four noble truths. So we have a one expression that talks about ignorance. And they say, what is ignorance? Well, ignorance is ignor- being ignorant of the four noble truths. Because remember in all of this, in all of these books, and there's a ton of them out here, a ton of the Kayas out here, coming from not only the Theravadan tradition, but also from the Chan or Vajrayana or Hinayana, I mean Mahayana tradition. ton of books. They all agree to a greater or lesser extent. So you can find similarities from 
Theravadan to Mahayana to Vajrayana. That in all of them, the Buddha said to us that he came here to teach and do one thing, and that's to show us how to escape from or relieve ourselves of suffering. All of the other stuff, all of the magical stuff, the powers and the enlightenment factor is not the intent. It is to liberate ourselves from suffering. Okay. So, Venerable, um, say you're in a situation where your mind is going to an unwholesome place. You're dealing with an unwholesome mind state. Okay. And then you're... No, wait, stop right there for me. So what's happening right there with you when your mind is going to an unwholesome... What, what, what do you, in that scenario, what do you see happening with your own consciousness right there? I'm, I'm losing control or I'm not applying my faculties effectively to keep my mind in a wholesome place. Okay, so your, your, your wholesomeness is decreasing and your unwholesomeness yes. is increasing. Yes, yes. All right. But the, th the thing that I see... Uh, what are you going to do about that? Well, here's what I try to do. <laughs> okay. like, so I will attempt to apply you know, the five spiritual fact, uh, faculties or another technique. So I'll attempt to um, apply the energy, the mindfulness, the concentration to place my mind, to move my mind from the unwholesome to the wholesome. But the, the thing that I see, if it is, you know, the stuff that you're really trying to cleanse yourself off, the really hard stuff for you, whatever that is, you know, it's, it's very powerful and it's very sticky. And when you, when you get into the middle of it, uh, rather than effectively moving yourself from the unwholesome to the unwholesome, you actually feel like you're feeding and just re repeating and further deepening the, the unwholesome pattern and the underlying unwholesome state. So what do you do you know, to, to, to gradually move yourself from the unwholesome to the wholesome when your faculties are not yet strong enough to move you when you find, hey, I'm in this place I don't want to be, uh, but then I apply the techniques and I, and I fail to, to, to move my mind. Well, first of all, I say don't make it harder than it is. It and the first thing hard. is that we don't, you know, when, when we are appropriately looking at consciousness and we see that there is a devolving where my wholesomeness is decreasing and my unwholesomeness is increasing. So now, why did my wholesomeness decrease in the first place? What was the reason why it decreased? 
I mean, I, I think I was probably not attending to my mind. I was not mindful enough. I did not have sufficient energy. I did not have sufficient concentration. I was not tending sufficiently to my mind, and I let it wander off to an unwholesome place based on past conditioning. Okay, okay. So, so there's a habit that we have that um, burns us. You know, because we 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 have adopted it. We have this belief that this is a part of me. This is a part of my truth. This is a part of my perception. This this habit, but all it really is is a bad habit. Right? We can we can simplify it to that degree. That this whole idea of Unwholesome behavior and wholesome behavior is just simply bad idea, good idea, bad habit, good habit. The query is to ask ourselves, well, why did this come up? Why did this unwholesome thought arise? And we can say it's because my cousin came over or the neighbor came over with his dog in my yard. But the reason is, is that when this event happened in my reality, I have a habit of putting my awareness, my consciousness, in this dark space. And that's my habit. But it's not me. And so then it informs me that to change this, I've got to start to put my attention on something wholesome. I begin to see that the connection is not any event that happens out in my reality, but it's what I do inside when this happens. And I understand that, again, this is not me. This is a habit that I've developed and you can give yourself any reason you want to for that development, but it's still just a habit. Now, I'm clinging to and I'm addicted to my habit because I don't have any place else to go. You know, I don't have any place else to go. This is where I think I have to sit my awareness on and it's only because I've done that forever. So that's my habit. That's my default place. That's my go-to place. When someone says this, somebody calls me a name, somebody does this thing. That this is what I've always done. And that's the discovery of discovery. That by examining it and asking myself the question, why does this happen? Why do I do this? And I find that it is very simple. It's because I stop being mindful and appropriately aware and I just go to this escape place, this default place, and I've done this forever. And so the first thing I then do is begin to practice putting my awareness someplace else. So that's the first thing. I've got to get out this room. I've got to get out this haunted house, this dark place. And I realized that, well, I can do that by moving my awareness to a different subject. And so I do that.
And when I do that, I learn that, well, if I move it to another unwholesome place, I still have the same feelings, or I still have the same attitude. So I say, well, I've got to be selective. I've got to put it in a place of wholesomeness. So I can think about God, I can think about Buddha, I can think about kindness, I can think about compassion, I can think about altruism. But I've got to think about something else. And this is where it takes the energy to let go of, to stop clinging to what I've always clung to as the safety raft and move my awareness to something that's wholesome. And what I discovered was as soon as I do that, my whole life changes. Because I can't think unwholesomely while I am focusing on wholesome. The two things just can't happen together in the same block of consciousness. So I ask myself, once I discover that I can manipulate this myself, that it's not the situations or the experiences that manipulate my mind, but it's I that manipulates my mind. And I just say, well, I don't want to do this anymore, so if I keep saying I don't want to do this, then I've got to prove it to myself that I'm being sincere, or I'll stop BSing myself. Right? I discover that everything changes when I change my mind. That everything changes. And I also give myself a little slack because I remind myself that, well, gee, I'm just noting this now in my practice, in my, in my reality. I'm just noting my own collusion with unwholesomeness. And I've been saying no collusion, no collusion, no collusion. But it's me, because there's no one else to take the blame. There's no one else to point a finger to. I've got to point it to myself, because that's all there is. And so I begin to practice, and I begin to remind myself that I have got a choice. I do not have to suffer in this vein, and I do not have to make others suffer. That I have got a choice. That I've got to abandon the excuse I give myself that it was their fault that I feel this way and remind myself that, oh, no, wait, I've got a choice. I don't have to feel this way. And as long as I hold up the placard, you've got a choice. All of the other arguments don't hold any water anymore because I'm still pointing to me. I, I refuse to blame the other guy or the other situation. And I keep pointing back to me. You've got the choice. You've got the power. And eventually I'll convince myself that if I don't want to be a crybaby, I've got to, I've got to stop this. I've got to stop this. Life is always good. It all depends on me. Okay? So when it's there, when it's happening, you're not working at it. You're not extending the effort and the energy to change it. And it's all about changing the mind. In Aramic, you know, we hear the word um, repent, but in Aramic that word is changing the mind. And that's all you're doing. It's changing the mind. Okay? All right. Thank you for your patience.
So I just wanted to share my experience from yesterday related to this exactly. I went to go uh, volunteer at the Refuge Recovery Conference to set up breakfast. And I dressed and looked real nice, I thought. Um, and it was very, everyone was very nice. And then I went in the bathroom and there was a full-length mirror. And so I don't have a full-length mirror in my room, thankfully. But um, immediately when my eye contact saw the form in the mirror, the feeling was disgust. And immediately I thought, okay, I don't want to socialize anymore. And I wanted to leave. And I actually left after that. And this is a habit that I've had since I was very young. So um, I went in the car, and there was food in the car, and immediately I ate the food for comfort, which is another habit that I learned from very young. And then I noticed that thoughts of desire of contacting a past relationship arose. And that craving caused suffering. And I was thinking, okay, this is not the road I want to go. So I got back here, and I was like, okay, what can I do? So I went and I read the sutta, The Distraction of Thought. Is that right? Is that the name of the sutta? Yeah, Distracting Thoughts. Distracting Thoughts. Okay, I was like, okay, let me follow these instructions. And so, I was, and so the first instruction is to change from unwholesome to a wholesome sign. I was like, okay, I realized from the mindfulness that the cause of this suffering was the habit of insecurity and self-criticism. So let me just target that. So immediately I came up with this, uh, what do you call this? What did I do yesterday that I sent you? It was like a song. It was a chant. It was a chant. So I came up with this chant. Um, so I just said it. I just repeated, I am beautiful, complete, and whole, just as I am in this moment. But instead, I turned it, I turned it into a chant. I'm telling you, I must have done that for like 10 minutes. And I sent Maureen. I recorded it. I immediately, my whole world was totally different. The desire, the craving, the eating, not even there anymore. I'm not saying it didn't come back later, mm -hmm. but in that moment, I was like, wow, this really works. Mm -hmm. So I just wanted to share that. It was great. Thank you for sharing that. And that's what we're talking about, Par. So we have to have or find the, the energy or the backbone to, to keep pushing that, that envelope, you know, not, not accept that okay, I'm thinking wholesome now and I see that things have changed and then I'll go back into unwholesomeness. And, it's, and it's, it's the same cycle. It's asking ourselves, well, I have a choice. We always have a choice. That's, that's the empowerment. That's the freedom of all of this, that we have a choice. We do not have to do the, what we do. We do not have to suffer. We do not have to make ourselves unhappy. And we always go to yeah, but thing, you know, yeah, but what about politics? Or yeah, what about the wars? Or yeah, what about New Zealand? Or yeah, what about Venezuela? Well, there's always been crap in the world, you know, all the time. Cruelty, crusades, somebody lived in the castle, somebody didn't, you know. Somebody lived in the dungeon. You know, always, even when there were no castles and, and there were just almost sapiens, almost homo sapiens that drove around sticks and hitting each other in the head with them, stealing people's food, other people's food, stealing other people's mates. 
It's just it's been this craziness. And it's all impermanent. That's the thing to remind ourselves of. Even this thing that worries me, even this thing that controls me, dictates to me, it's going to go away. It's not perfect. So there's lots of positive self-talk we can employ. But we've got to remind ourselves of we've got that in our toolbox also and not give in to hopelessness and not give in to sadness and, and suffering. That's the message. You do not... Well, the message is, is that suffering is optional. And if you want to suffer, then that's my gift. You know, if you want to, you just don't feel like going to wholesome states of mind, that you feel like staying here in this very dark and cold and damp and moldy place, then, then fine. What we learn, <clears throat> what we learn is eventually all of us will cr- crawl out of our hole. <clears throat> that we can lay on the couch in a ball and cry and whine and complain about what we don't have and what life has done to us. Or, you know, I lost my partner or I lost my friend or whatever it is that is our complaint. And we can work with that until we get tired of it. And then one day we decide to get up off the couch, take a shower, put on some clean clothes and go out in the world and live again. So suffering is optional. You can do it if you want. If at this time it feels like what you deserve, I think I see a hand over there too. Back to what you were talking about at the beginning. The, um, or what you were talking about, the five included in... The five faculties? Included in um, the seven mindfulness, intuition... um, well, what we talked about were the, 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 the faculties, the five faculties and the five spiritual powers. Yeah. We, weren't talk, we didn't talk about the enlightenment factors. I mean, all those factors were one of the words, but they weren't, we weren't talking about the enlightenment factors. But they're included in it, right? Those five are included in the, I was sitting in the factors of enlightenment? No, the factors of enlightenment are the, the last... mountain that you climb. But I mean those words are included, aren't they? Which I'm, words? I'm, Which words? Well, mindfulness and effort. Oh, yeah, mindfulness is one of them. Equanimity. equanimity they're all included. Joy. Concentration. Yeah. Those are all included. What you'll, what you'll discover, these formulas are holographic, and it appears that you have a thousand things to learn, but you really see, well, okay, two of them over here, three of them over there, yeah. you know. That, and, I would... and, and when I start counting them and get dismayed, I just remind myself, well, no, no, what we're really talking about is suffering. One thing. Mm-hmm. And freedom from it. Two things. Okay. Thank you. I was just hung up on thinking about that. But also, I know this has come up a number of times, uh, what you just 
and I have found helpful, I'll just jump around a little bit about changing, you know, if I'm meditating and some unwholesome thoughts come up, to actually think about wholesome states through the um, through the teachings can be mm. very helpful. Yeah. But the third thing is, it seems like if you've just lost something, it's very appropriate to suffer. Can okay, you speak to that? There's, there's a dynamic in our culture that encourages us to grieve when we have loss. I've always said that the remedy to that is to love people while they're alive. Bring them flowers while they're living. And therefore, I have nothing left to say to the cadaver. Okay. Most often in my interviews and in my consults, the people who have the most difficulty with loss, personal loss, are the ones that has some sense of guilt about what they didn't do while the person was alive or what they didn't say while the person was alive. And they try to make up for that by grieving harder than anyone else. But you don't have to. And there are people who will try to make you feel guilty when you don't grieve. You know, so I've, I've run into that too where people catch hell from their family members because they feel that the person doesn't love Granny enough to cry and wail and weep about her. And, and the person went and visited her every week while she was living, cooked her, dinner, cooked her dinner, cooked her meals, took her to the zoo while she was living. So she did her loving then. But there's still lots of people here who don't agree with that. And that's okay. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Well, interesting enough, um, I've been contemplating that with my cat, Mm -hmm. is if I truly love her now, what you just said I find very simpatico will help me to let go. I really think it will when when her time comes because I'm so attached to her. Okay. Um. Also, I've known a couple people in my life who I wasn't really close to, but 40 years after their divorce, they could not get over it. And it almost becomes, I mean, this is over my head, but kind of almost a form of sickness, like the Buddha address, you know, a form of mental sickness. It's just clinging, that's all. Yeah, the clinging. But I want to thank people. I have a real problem at times in a group talking. And my mind actually really froze, so I appreciate the opportunity to share with you all. And I feel that you're my community, and I look around and I see faces, everyone here I care about. So thank you. Thank you. And thank you for that. That's very helpful. Okay. And remember, if you want your pet to live longer than you, then you got to get a turtle or a bonsai tree. (laughs) You know? I'd like to share something that 
Um, I just focused on practicing being in a present moment for almost like two and a half years now in all different forms, but I'm just practicing that. Mm-hmm. How do I uh, present? And I realize now, without noticing, just my mind is so empty and quiet that these things doesn't come to me. So in the process, I was thinking, what did I lose? Am I losing my mind? Or what's going on? But I realized somehow, after two and a half years, just a one practice that I reached to a some level of just uh, just nothing there in the head. So what I notice is that you know theoretically, Eckhart Tolle talked about it. Everybody talked about it. But practically, what happens is that when we're in the moment, that in our body. And just feeling what's in here, there's no chance of other thoughts coming in. So I found very simple, effective, but need a lot of effort for a long time. Okay, thank you. All right. So everybody's good. Is there anything anybody would like to talk about before we close this up? All right. No, no, no other questions. No wishes. All right. Because uh, the Dharma is the wizard. And all of your questions can be answered by study, right? So feel free to dialogue with friends, good friends. And to do your own personal practice of like Walker going inside and seeing how the inside behaves. And by watching it, you will also see all of the answers to your your problems. So, congratulations. For sure. For sure. Okay. Let's take two minutes to send some love to Venezuela and New Zealand.
There's one more thing I'd like to share, and that is um, remember what a habit is. A habit is something that we've done consistently and constantly over and over and over and over and over again. That's why it becomes a habit, because we've repeated it over and over and over and over and over again. So don't wait until you have a challenge to try to change the habit. Know what your habits are through meditating and watching mind. Notice what the thoughts go to in the, in the, in the darkness that they envelop. And then take them out to exercise them in the fresh air and the sunshine. And whatever component of unwholesomeness this reality or this perception contains, you work the opposite. You see yourself doing the opposite. So don't wait until those, you know, because then they're hard to deal with. They, they've been entombed in our consciousness forever. That's why we keep going there. Not because that's the best place to go, but because that's what I've always done. When this happens, I always do this. So don't wait until the reality comes down on you that forces you to have to engage and slay the dragon in a real way. But on a sunny day when you got nothing else to do, just sit in a chair in the sun and think about what would I do when this happens? What would I do when my cat dies? Right? What would I do? And you see yourself doing something positive and wholesome. Right? Loving the person who's cursing you, loving the person who's mistreating you. You see yourself doing that. And yeah, it's going to be a hard twist. But just keep working with it. And you'll find that one day when it happens to you in reality, that you will automatically go to the wholesome state and forgive that person. They don't know what they do. They deserve my love. They're obviously suffering. And I want to give them all of the love that I have, plus someone else's too. No hate there, no condemnation, no judgment. So, don't forget to, that's a part of what the practice is. Not waiting until something happens before I start working on a, an alternative plan. But to work on that alternative plan, see me, see me participating in it, staying with the wholesome all the way through, developing a new habit. Okay? All right. Thank you all for your support, your company, your pleasure. It's a nice day. Go smile at a stranger. May all beings be liberated from suffering. May we be well. May we be happy. May we be peaceful. Thank you so very much for everything you do. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.